0: more about moses and about jesus amen 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 well it is so good to be here and to have the opportunity to work on the scripture just for my own heart and um i want to read it and then we'll pray and and then begin it's it's kind of a long but there's there's so much in here there is so many rich and meaty and powerful truths that god gives to us you know uh, Janae preached last week. I uh, just thought, uh, gosh, how hard that was. Having to make more bricks. We're trying to do the right thing. And, uh, well. and then we go into chapter six. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now, now. See, so that's kind of interesting. Well, we wanted it back then. We went, chapter five, that's what we want it now. See, God has a purpose and He has a plan. This is not like God said, Oh, yeah, maybe I'll switch my. It's all been part of His plan, all that happened previously. And then Moses, and God says, now you will see what I will do. What I will do to Pharaoh, not what Moses will do, not what Aaron will do, but what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. (laughs) Remember, this is the Pharaoh that said, no, you can't even leave for three days. And God's saying, but you know what's going to happen because of my power? He's going to actually drive them out. That's miraculous. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, that is El Shaddai. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. They did know the name of Yahweh. It is in Genesis, uh, but he did not reveal himself. He didn't reveal the whole character of what that name Yahweh means. I also established my covenant with them. As El Shaddai, he made promises to them. I made covenants with them. He is the covenant maker. He's the promise maker to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning. Sometimes you feel like God doesn't know what's going on in your life. I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant, my promise. Therefore, because of this, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, I am Yahweh, I am that I am, I will be who I will be, and, and now, there's seven promises that God says here. He says, I will, and so you can, this will help you stay awake uh, as I'm reading it, but here's the interesting thing, you know, like if you say, hey, will you unload the dishwasher, and somebody goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I will, you know, and you don't know, is that going to be, but God is giving us seven I wills. And this is the interesting, the, the verb here is in the past tense, which, what that means and why that's so important is God says, I will do this. And basically what it said is that dishwasher is as good as unloaded. You know, I'm not just saying I will, I'm not just making a promise, but because of who the promise maker is, it's as good as done. Amen. 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 We can fully trust in him. So seven I wills. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Wow, it's been hard for them. I will free you from being slaves to them. He frees us from being enslaved to anything. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And that's all the plagues, you know, all the plagues that Jesus, that God does. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land. I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement all the harsh labor, all the tough things they have been through. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of his country. But Moses said to the Lord, If the Israelites will not listen to me, why should you think Pharaoh's going to listen to me, since I speak with faltering lips? Ah, Ah, Moses, but it's not about your ability, Moses, to speak. And then we see a section, it looks like it's a break, just kind of like a breather, but it's not. There's a a genealogy there. And what it really shows us, I'm not gonna read it, but what it really shows us is God has been planning this. See, he's saying the genealogy that comes down to Moses and Aaron, it's all been planned. This isn't some whim God is doing. And then chapter seven. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. See, All these signs and wonders are just going to wow Pharaoh because because they needed to see in that day. And your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. You know, there's two words for harden. There's the harden that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And then this where it says that God hardened his his heart it's like God reinforced the decision that Pharaoh had already made but I will harden Pharaoh's heart and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt <laughs> hey he's not going to listen to you then I will lay my hand on Egypt with mighty acts of judgment I will bring out my divisions my people the Israelites And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. And I'm going to add on verse 7 because I think it's so important. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when they went to speak to Pharaoh. Anybody think they're done yet? Okay, Moses was just getting started. Would you bow in a word of prayer with me, please? Precious Lord, we thank you that... It's all about you, and God, in the midst of everything we face, I pray that you um, would just lift our hearts into your presence and, and help our, our, our view of you uh, just grow as we trust in you. Uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen and Amen. So today we're going to look at disarming discouragement. I mean, in this passage, we see that the Israelites are terribly discouraged. They are downtrodden. They are dispirited. They are weary of the struggle. So what is this discouragement? You know, it is a loss of hope. You know, and and they say that um, hope is to the soul what breath is to the body. They're just in that place where the hope is gone. It's a loss of courage, discourage. It's a loss of courage. It's a place of fear. When things persistently go bad. You know, it's one thing when you have one bad thing happen, but man, over and over, and it seems like you just can't get a break. It is the dark jail cell that seems as though it can never be unlocked. It's that place where we are robbed of our hope and our joy. We all have moments and hopes and expectations and when they are dashed repeatedly, we come into a place often of discouragement Now, in fairness to the Israelites, because a lot of times it's like, oh, those Israelites are always whining. Come on, why can't they just trust in God? But let's just look at why they're so discouraged. You know, they had been enslaved for 400 years. 400 years. Their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents had cried out to God for a deliverer. And then there's this glimmer of hope because God raises up Moses. Moses. And it looks good. Moses goes to Pharaoh and, hey, can you let us go? And what does Pharaoh say? No, you lazy bums. They had their hopes up, and then for a minute it was like, okay, this God, our ultimate deliverer, has raised up a deliverer, and then boom, doesn't happen. And in fact, as Janae pointed out last week in her preaching, it actually got worse. It actually got worse. There's just a weariness of soul. How do I get out of bed in the morning? There's a story of a mother who went to get her son up one morning. She says, come on, you need to get up because we need to go to church. You need to get up and get ready. And he pulls the sheet over his head and he goes, I don't want to go to church. And she's like, why we always get up and go to church? And he goes, I will give you two reasons. Nobody at church likes me, and I don't like anybody at church. And she said, well, let me give you three reasons why you need to get up right now. Number one, you are 50 years old. Number two, you are the pastor. And number three, you're giving the sermon this morning. (laughs) But discouragement is that place where you just don't want to, where it's so hard. There's a story that I heard. It's not actually in the scripture, but it's just a story that I think helps us understand this discouragement. It's a story that one day... The devil was auctioning off all of his tools. They were highly priced. There was laziness, pride, hate, envy, comparison, jealousy. But there was one tool that was not for sale. One person asked, well, why is that tool not for sale? And Satan whispered, I can't afford to get rid of that one. It is my chief tool. It is discouragement. It is the place that locks people into a place of hopelessness and we see that discouragement too can bring out the blame game as Moses blamed God the Israelites blamed Moses makes us question God makes us question his purpose and his timing as we see in verse 9 it can deafen our ears our hearts to his promises and in fairness to the Israelites spoiler alert You and I today stand on this side of the resurrection, this side of the deliverance of God's people, because they are delivered. But all they knew is this big, tough pharaoh had said, make more bricks, and you get your own straw. So how do we disarm discouragement? From this passage, we can see a number of ways. Number one Remember. Remember, Thanksgiving is all about remembering. Remember what God has done. Remember who God is. Remember who God is. God reveals himself in this ch- these two chapters as Yahweh. He reveals himself not just as the covenant maker or the promise maker, but the one who has the power to be the promise keeper. He said, I am that I am. His being and character, fully faithful to all of his promises. He is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing God. You know, we can think, well, again, why didn't God just deliver the people back in chapter 5 when Moses had showed up and told Pharaoh, come on, let us go? Because here's the thing, guys, it's not about Moses. It's not about Moses, and it's not even about the children of Israel. It is about an all powerful, mighty, Alpha and Omega, the perfect, holy, righteous God. It's not about Moses being able to speak better. Kind of, if you clarified it a little bit more with Pharaoh, that might work. No, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a man who stutters. I can't do this. Well, that's okay, Moses, because it's not about you. Remember that Yahweh has a plan. And, you know, one of the things when we are in the depths of discouragement, we have our eyes focused down here when God says, I am that I am. F.B. Meyer said this, when all human help has failed and the soul, exhausted and despairing, has given up hope, God draws near and says, I am, I am. And all those seven I wills ultimately happened through Jesus Christ our Lord. When God makes a promise, when God makes a promise, when God makes a promise, he keeps it, he fulfills it. He said to Moses, see, I am doing it now. I will fulfill it. Remember the promise maker. Remember he is. The Promise Keeper. Remember who God is. Second, as we remember who God is, the great I am that I am, remember this Yahweh, the great I am that I am, is bigger than any Pharaoh in our life. And trust me, Pharaoh was God back in those days little G O D God, you know, not the big God, little God, but he was. I mean, he had all the power, total control. Only God is bigger. Moses and the people were too too impressed by Pharaoh and not impressed enough. By God. Their focus is on the obstacles and not on the opportunities. And that's what we do when we're in discouragement. We're looking at this huge Pharaoh in our way. We become discouraged when we start believing Satan, who is the father of lies, from John 8 4, instead of the father who cannot lie. Titus 1 2. Moses points out that he's not eloquent enough, and God doesn't dispute it. Moses is a man of unclean lips. He's a murderer. God doesn't dispute it. He says, I will stretch out my arm, and my arm's a lot stronger than Pharaoh. And by the way, where's Pharaoh today? Where's Pharaoh today? He's dead. He's dead. He lost. He's gone, but Yahweh, the Lord, is on the throne. The giant Goliath was bigger than God, right? Wrong. Where's Goliath today? He's dead. Where's God? Raised from the dead, on the throne. There is no giant. There is no Pharaoh. There is no addiction. There is no enslavement. There's no place of hopelessness. There's no place of estrangement or brokenness that is bigger than the God of deliverance. Whatever you're facing today, there is a God who loves you, who has a purpose and a plan, and he's bigger than any of the discouraging things you are facing. I don't know if you've heard that Veggie VeggieTale uh, song, God is bigger than the boogeyman. God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla and the monsters on TV. God is bigger than the boogeyman, and he's watching out for you and me. God never says in, mom- in Moses' moments of insecurities, Moses, you've got this. You're my man. Come on, Moses. Go be Moses. This is great. No. coddle Moses. He says, Moses, I am Yahweh, and I'm bigger than Pharaoh. And that's what we need to remember. Rick Warren, who was the founding pastor of Saddleback Church and the author of The Purpose Driven Life, Together with his wife, Kay, went through a huge time of dark discouragement when their 27-year-old son, Matthew, took his own life after battling depression and mental illness for years. After about a year into this tragedy, Rick said, I have often been asked, how have you made it? How have you kept going in your pain? And I've often replied, the answer is Easter. Easter. You see, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus happened over three days. Friday was the day of suffering, pain, and agony. Saturday was the day of doubt and confusion and misery. But Easter, Easter, the day of hope, joy, and victory. And he said, here's the fact of life. Each of us will face three days over and over and over in our lifetime. And when we do, we'll find ourselves asking, as he did, three fundamental questions. Number one, What do I do in my days of pain and discouragement? Two, how do I get through my days of doubt and confusion? Three, how do I get to the days of joy and victory? And the answer is always what? Easter. Easter. He has risen. He has risen indeed. See, Jesus fought. (laughs) <laughs> the greatest pharaoh ever, sin, Satan, and death, and what happened? He overcame it by his own power and holiness, see? And he can overpower, overcome discouragement, hardship, pain in our life, and return us to places of joy and thanksgiving. Three, when we're facing discouragement, remember to go back to the Lord and do the next right. Thing. Exodus 5.22, it says Moses returned to God. He, you know, he had kind of n- some things to say, but at least he went back to God and he said it. See, in our moments of discouragement that we don't just put the sheet over our head and not talk to God, whatever we don't understand, whatever the pain is, we can go right to God. I don't understand God. This is really hard. Pharaoh is mean. He returned, he went directly to God. In our moments of pain that we would lean into God, the God who says in this passage, he has heard your groaning. He knows of your enslavement, he knows. Take everything, all your pain and struggle and doubt and inadequacies to the throne room of God. He knows we can't do it, but he can. Amen? Amen? Go back to the Lord and do the next right thing. Sometimes we don't know what we're going to do in five weeks or ten weeks or whatever, but we do that next right thing. It says in chapter 7, verse 6, Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded. They didn't know all that was going to happen in the desert, and all, but they did the next right thing that God had told them to do. In the darkness of discouragement, sometimes we're not able to see the path, but we know the one who is the promise keeper, and he will lead us, so we take that next right step. Hebrews 12.2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider Jesus in the garden. If possible that this cup could pass, On the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Psalm 42, "Why, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, not in Pharaoh, not in your being able to work it out for good, because it's God that works it out for good. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Hebrews 10, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised, the promise maker, his faithful, he is the promise keeper. Amen? Amen? Amen. I want to close with this story. Um, there was a minister in Italy, and He was touring around, and he went and he saw the grave of a man who had died centuries before, a man who was an unbeliever and completely against the Christian faith, but he was also just a little bit afraid of it, too. So the man had a huge stone slab put over his grave after he was buried, so he would not have to be raised from the dead just in case there was going to be a resurrection from the dead. He had insignias put all over the slab saying, I do not want to be raised from the dead. I don't believe. (laughs) Well, evidently, when he was buried, an acorn must have fallen into the grave. So a hundred years later, when this pastor, this minister visited, the slab had broken open and a tall oak tree had grown. And the minister looked at it and he said, if an acorn, which has the power of biological life in it, can split a slab of that magnitude, what can the acorn of God's resurrection power do in a person's life? And Tim Keller said this, the minute you decide to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, our life doesn't get easier, people. Or or just like that, yeah, make more straw, you know, make more bricks, less straw. The minute you decide to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, it doesn't get easier in this world. But the power of the Holy Spirit comes into our life. And it is the very power of the resurrection. It is the power that raised our Lord from the dead. Think of the things that right now you see as immovable slabs in your life. Think about the places where you feel like you are entrapped and enslaved. Bitterness, insecurity, unforgiveness, fear, self-doubt, addictions, estrangements. Fill in that Pharaoh. Those things, by the power of God, can be split and rolled off. The more you know him, the more we grow in resurrection power. God says, I am the Lord. I am that I am, and I will be who I will be. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Watch and see how I deliver my people. And God is still in the business of delivering us from sin, Satan, and death, and also the struggles and the pharaohs that we face on this side of eternity. And I just heard my calling card that it's done. <laughs> and you know, I was, right? I was 10 one, but we're done. Hey, let's uh, pray together. And then um, we're going to go into the Lord's prayer. All right. Precious Lord, thank you. Thank you for the truth of this word. And God, you know um, who's facing what. And I, I'm just going to encourage you, whatever you're facing that just seems insurmountable, whatever has caused you discouragement and just wanting to put that sheet over your head, just just bring it to the Lord right now. God, we hand to you uh, what is just too tough for us. And and we ask that with your outstretched arm, with your promises um, delivered, that you would deliver us. Help us to keep our eyes upon you. Help us to remember that you are Yahweh. Help us to remember that every promise is yes in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you, God, that sin and Satan and death could not keep you in the grave, and it does not keep your people there either. And now hear us as we pray your people, the Lord's prayer that you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. You know, this song we're going to sing, make it a prayer. I mean, this is just a powerful, powerful song about a God who delivers his people. Let us stand and close together.